So this morning we are looking at John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. John 12, uh, 20 through 33. You can follow along on the screen uh, behind me or on the screen at home, or if you've got it with you, that'll work too. So John 12, 20 through 33. Before we read it, uh, let's pray again. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're really grateful for this, for this space, this time, this place where, where we can just stop and rest in you. you know, most of us have a lot going on, and so we're grateful for this time where, where we just pay attention to your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe new life into us through your word. Change us, mold us, make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear these words from John 12. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. We'll go that far. What a strange, weird little story. Some Greeks come to Jerusalem, so they're outsiders. They come, there's the festival of the Passover, and they're like, we want to see Jesus. So Philip and Andrew bring him to Jesus, and Jesus is like, I'm just going to tell him a story. Hey, if, if, a, if a grain of wheat doesn't die, it just remains a kernel, but if it dies, all sorts of seeds are produced from it. What? What? 
That's just weird to me. I like it, though, because Jesus, sometimes the weirder Jesus gets, the better Jesus gets, I think. Anyway, here's, here's how we're going to start. There are certain kinds of people in this world that I'm just sort of naturally drawn to. I think we're all sort of naturally drawn to people. And it isn't because of charisma. It isn't because of things like status. It isn't because of wealth. It isn't because they're pretty people and we like to look at them. I think, I think we're drawn to certain kinds of people because of, because of what they've chosen to do with their lives. For instance, I'm sort of naturally drawn to, to teachers. We got some teachers here. Naturally drawn to teachers. Uh, think of it. Uh, every day of their lives, they go to work and they, and they form our kids. In a lot of ways, in partnership with us, but we're not there. They just form our kids. It's fantastic. And they don't get paid a whole ton to do it either. And think about what elementary school teachers have to do. They have to deal with the, the craziness and the messiness of our littlest ones. And they are crazy and they are messy. Then you got middle school teachers. Like, the middle school teachers definitely don't get paid enough because they deal with the hormone-changing adolescent middle kids, right? Oh, my goodness. And then you got the high school teachers who... Uh, they're the ones who deal with the kids who think they know it all, and it's time for them to run things already. And so, but by the end of it, they get through all of that, and our kids are somehow, our, our kids are somehow better, decent adults, even once they graduate through the school system. I'm naturally drawn to teachers because of what they do. It's just fantastic. Doctors, I'm drawn to doctors because they've given themselves to the practice of healing people putting people's lives and bodies back together again, maybe even more than doctors. I'm drawn to nurses because nurses do all of the hard stuff. They're the ones who poke people, who give people shots, who, who draw blood. They're the ones who get to see the patients first. And if there's a particularly grumpy patient, they can then go out and warn the doctor, you got a mean one in there, be careful. I'm naturally drawn to them. I'm drawn to, to dentists and dental hygienists. Think about it. It takes a certain level of self-sacrifice to sort of dig in other people's mouths for a living. So these are the kinds of people I'm just sort of naturally drawn to. Maybe, maybe you are too. And it shouldn't surprise us, though. Because we're not, I think we're all just naturally drawn to those people in our world who just give of themselves for the benefit of others. Like, we want to be near these people. We want to rub shoulders with them because we think that somehow maybe some of what they have will rub off on us and maybe we'll become better people too. Now hold that thought. It'll make sense later. So our story this morning, like I said, it's just a weird, odd little story, I think. John tells us that some Greeks joined the Passover festivities in Jerusalem. Right? They may have been proselytes, which just means that they're, that they're non-Jews who converted to Judaism, and now they're considered to be Jews, accepted as Jews. Or maybe they're non-Jews, they're Gentiles who just have a, a deep respect for or a fascination for the Jewish faith. And... They're just in Jerusalem to join in the festivities. There's a party going on all week. Either way, they're strangers in Jerusalem. And they want to see Jesus. 
Right? They're seekers. They're sort of drawn to Jesus like metal to a magnet. So they walk up to the disciple with a Greek name, Philip. They probably feel more comfortable with a disciple who's got a Greek connection. So they get right to the point. They're like, sir, we would like to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. And it's not hard for us to figure out why if we just think about the story. Just imagine it. At this point in the story, word had more than gotten out about who Jesus was and what he did. For three years, he'd been doing his thing in and around Galilee, some pretty amazing things. He'd been giving sight to the blind. He helped the lame walk. He helped the deaf to hear. He cured people with leprosy. He calmed storms. He walked on water. You, you, You get the point. So he's sort of built this reputation, right? And not long before these These Greeks had come to see Jesus. Jesus had done something absolutely extraordinary. He had raised his dear friend Lazarus from the dead. And we know these Greeks had heard about this because John tells us that after the people saw what Jesus had done for his friend, they just couldn't stop talking about it. So Jesus had had come into the graveyard and he had spoken out loud. He said, roll away the stone. And then after the stone was rolled away, he said, Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out. Who wouldn't be able to stop talking about that? So naturally, after hearing about all of those things, after hearing about all of that, these Greeks decide, well, they got to meet this guy. So they go to find Philip, and they ask him, we want to see Jesus. Philip then tells Andrew, and the two of them go find Jesus and, and let him know. Now, this must have happened like a thousand different times. Over the course of Jesus doing his thing in and around Galilee, someone would email the disciples in need, and they would text Jesus, and Jesus would be like, okay, and he'd go, and he'd meet the need, because that's sort of just what Jesus does. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. I think we know about these Greeks. I think we can identify them, because that's why we've come here this morning right? I mean, I think that's why we tune in on Sunday mornings. It's why we do it every single Sunday morning, because their words are our words. We would like to see Jesus. I mean, we come here looking for something, don't we? We tune in looking for something, maybe a word, an idea, Maybe a song or a prayer, something that will help us make sense of our, of our messy existence. I mean, maybe you've got a hurt that needs to be healed. Maybe you've got a wound that, that needs to be bandaged. Maybe you've got a, a relationship that needs to be reconciled or, or just a connection with somebody else that just needs new life. Maybe, maybe life at work stinks for you right now because you're stuck in a rut or you're sick of working at home or maybe there's no work at all for you right now. Maybe you've come here this morning looking, looking for answers to some really hard questions that we all ask. I mean, why do we still have to deal with the global pandemic? It's been over a year enough already. Right? Why is there so much division? in this country, really, really strong, black and white, hard division in this country? Why can't we seem to get it together? Why do, 
why do white men keep buying guns in order to kill people of color? What's going on with that? There's something deeper that we're not addressing here. And why is it so easy? And why is there such a great disparity between the people who have a whole bunch and the people who just don't have very much at all? I mean, we want answers to those questions, don't we? We do, and we want answers to questions like those. So we say with these Greeks, because each one of us is one of them, we would like to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus because somehow we know that that in Jesus, all the deepest longings of our hearts are met. We want to see Jesus because somehow in the deepest parts of ourselves, we know without a shadow of a doubt that in him, all things are held together. We want to see Jesus. So we come with these Greeks to Philip and we say, we'd like to see Jesus, please. And then when Jesus finds out about it, he responds in a really curious way. And again, this is, this is something about Jesus that shouldn't surprise us when it happens, when we're reading these texts. Because if you've read the stories about Jesus in this book, then you know that he's obviously one who walked a little differently than other people. Jesus is the guy who challenged pretty much, pretty much everybody in every institution, including his own religion and most especially the leaders of his own religion. Jesus is the guy who seemed to walk in the opposite direction everybody else was walking. So instead of of protecting himself, he was always making himself more vulnerable. So he responds to these Greeks a little bit differently. He tells them a story about grain. He says this, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel dies, falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a kernel, a single seed. But if it does die, it's put in the ground, up will grow a plant, and all kinds of seeds are produced. The one who loves his life will lose it, while the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then, a few moments later, he says the most amazing thing. He says, But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So he gets word that these Greeks, they want to see him. And immediately what Jesus wants people to understand is what will allow people to see him. What will draw people to him is not simply what Jesus can do for these Greeks or you or me or anybody else, but ultimately what will draw people to Jesus is when he's lifted up on the cross. What draws people to Jesus is his stunning self-sacrifice. And when it did happen, when he was lifted up from the earth, when He lived out the parable of the grain of wheat dying in order to live and create more seeds. When Jesus was crucified, something so decisive, something so compelling happened that people would never forget about it. See, that's what it is. It's the the astonishing self-sacrifice of Jesus that allows people to see him. 
It's what draws people to him. Not long ago, there was a report uh, published by the, the National Academy of Sciences, and it was a report on the treatment of people who suffered a stroke. This is fascinating. I find this interesting. Apparently, when someone suffers a stroke, it can sometimes cause problems with vision. Maybe you've had someone in your life and you've got some experience with this. If a stroke happens on the left side of the brain, it can cause a sort of visual impairment in the right eye. It's called visual neglect. Right? There's nothing wrong with the eye, but the brain just doesn't process the signal from the eye. In a sense, they've lost half their vision. Right? In some extreme cases, people will only eat food on half of their plate or they'll only shave half of their face because they're just failing to respond to half of what they're seeing. That's fascinating. But listen to this. Here's the cool part. In this study, patients who had suffered a stroke were asked to perform vision tasks while listening to music they liked, listening to music they didn't like, and then listening to no music at all, doing vision tasks in complete silence. Here's what they found. Patients performed vision tasks much, much better when they were listening to music they really liked rather than listening to music they didn't like or nothing at all. Isn't that really cool? Hearing music actually allowed them to perform vision tasks better. It actually helped them to see. First of all, isn't the body amazing? Yes, but hearing music actually helped them see. This is a great metaphor. So here's the question. What kind of music will help people see Jesus? We all want to see Jesus. I believe the whole world wants to see Jesus, whether they know it or not. So what kind of music will help people see? Well, it's got to be the music of self-sacrifice. It's got to be the music of selflessness. It's got to be it's got to be the music of the cross. Jesus said, whoever serves me will follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. Where did Jesus go? He went to the cross. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that whoever serves me will make the same kind of music I make, the music of self sacrifice, the music of selflessness, the music of the cross. You make that music and people will see me. Oh! And what will that music sound like and how can we play it? I'll tell you this, it's a music that sounds a lot different than the music we're, we're used to hearing in the world, but I think it's music that is compelling and it and it just makes sense when you really think about it. In order to play the melody of forgiveness in this world, you have to sacrifice part of your anger or maybe all of it. In other words, a little piece of you must die. In order to play the, the sweet sounds of a reconciled relationship, you have, to, you have to sacrifice all grudges. In other words, a little piece of you must die in order to play the, the sweet melody of caring for the poor and those who really need you. You have to, you have to sacrifice your, 
your own privilege, your own agenda, your own desires. In other words, a little piece of you must die. But it's in that dying that the beautiful music of new life is played. And when people see you and me and us together and every other follower of Jesus dying to play the beautiful music of new life, to play the music of self-sacrifice, Jesus will be seen. Jesus will draw more people to himself. He's saying that's how it works. That's why I love teachers so much. And doctors and nurses and dentists and dental hygienists and other people like them, they play the music of the cross every day they go to work. And when I see them, or anybody else for that matter, when I see them sacrificing self, you know what I see? I see Jesus. Whether they know they're revealing Jesus or not, I see Jesus. I tell you the truth. If a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it produces more grain, more seeds. Friends, here's the deal. We love to say this. Jesus died to save us from our sins. Jesus died to show us that God's love and grace and mercy covers over everything that we do to separate ourselves from God. But it's so much more than just that. Jesus died to show us how to live. Right? And it's in his death that he calls us out of ourselves. It's in his death that he calls us out of our narrowness, out of our exclusiveness, out of our own selfish ambitions. It's in his death that he invites us into a a new kind of life, playing the music of self-sacrifice, the music of the cross. And I truly believe this, as we all learn to make that music a little bit better, as we all learn to play that music with our lives a little bit better, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of Jesus around here and out there in the world. Let's pray.